Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to another show of Bike Life. And today is super exciting because we have a former Warm Showers board member, a cyclist and a host, and really one of my most favorite humans to bring on this show to talk about deep and expansive topics. And he is back today to talk about mental health and cycling and hosting. And Ken Francis is back with us today. And look what you're showing. I love it. Hello. Oh, Hello, Tabalese. <laughs> and welcome to the inside of my tent. Oh, I love it. Well, I want to talk about mental health today, but I also wanted to uh, have you fulfill a fantasy of mine. And <sighs> when I was riding my bicycle cross country in the United States in the 1980s and 1990s, there were times I was by myself and I was kind of lonely. And this was back when Barbara Walters was doing her TV interviews, and she always did interviews with people in their house. So I, to, to help me get down the road and feel good about myself, I would envision as I'm cycling that Barbara Walters was in my tent interviewing me about what I'm doing. So, Taverly, today you get to be Barbara Walters. You're my Barbara <laughs> Walters, and I want to I kind of give you a tour of my, my tent to start off with, just to show kind of like how when I was by myself, I was able to, um, to kind of uh, get through things. There, there wasn't warm showers then, and there were times when I would just use my knuckles and knock on a farmhouse door if, if I needed to or stay at the church. And the experience was always great. I mean, I have lasting friendships from 35 years ago because of those experiences. And um, so can I give you a tour of the tent real quick, the things that are my comfort? Yes, and this is Barbara Walters coming to you live, <laughs> interviewing <Baba>. Ken Francis <laughs> in his tent. <laughs> so here is a map of mm. the United States. These are all the trips that I've taken, the routes across the United States. This does not include uh, you know, Europe or Australia, but uh, this year, this summer, I hit my 50th state. So I now can say that I've toured through all, all 50 states. So I have that. Um, I have my, like I said, this was comfort food. And back before internet, we had what was called general delivery mail. So we would have, uh, I would, I would look online or not online. I would look on a map and see what towns I was going through around what date, and then send a message to the post office general delivery through snail mail, because that's all we had. And then I would go pick up the mail on the designated day. And it was pretty, I was pretty good on, on hitting the days uh, on the mark. And it was, that was a cool thing too, because the, the people that worked on these really tiny podunk post offices were getting this mail for Ken Francis cycle tour. And there was anticipation built up. So when I walked in, it was almost like applause. Everybody was like, wow, we've been waiting for you. We have this mail for you. We have cookies for you, you know, all this stuff. So it was, it, it really helped push me down the road and made me feel connected, even though I was by myself. So important things. Uh, here's a postcard from, if you remember, Debbie Gibson. <laughs> you know, 
I am a deadhead. And she says, to Mr. Tour, that's my nickname, to Mr. Tour, glad we met. Uh, I love it. I had a Walkman that only had like three tapes that I brought with me, and two of them were the rock group Ambrosia, and I wrote the lead singer uh, a letter asking him to clarify some of the songs and letting him know how impactful the uh, the trip was for me. And he wrote me a letter back, uh, which was really cool. Wow. All before internet. And tomorrow is my 61st birthday. And I have a card. I thought I'd open it up right now with you. It's from Elizabeth Lehigh. I'm probably going to cry. I met Elizabeth in 1986. Uh, I was directed to her family because I wanted to meet Amish people. And somebody, that a church that I knocked on the door and asked for directions, took me in. And they heard that. And they said, well, we have friends. They're not really Amish, but we want you to meet them. They'd be great. So I ended up staying uh, with the Lehigh family. Uh, Elizabeth is mother of seven kids and like 100 grandkids now. And um, she's 93 years old. I still talk to her every few weeks on the phone, um, and it just meant a lot that this came in the mail. So I want to open it up and just kind of read what it says. And let me wish you happy birthday. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Happy birthday. It says, happy birthday, praying God's choicest blessings for you today as always. In his love and fear, Elizabeth Lehigh. And she tells me to this day that she considers me one of her kids. Mm, thank I'm really you. blessed to have made, you know, these, yeah. these relationships. And so even though that tour ended in 1986, it's amazing how I'm still in contact with her, her kids, her grandkids. I go back and visit, you know, Pennsylvania every year. I'm not going this year because I'm going to Florida to officiate a wedding of a granddaughter of somebody I met also on that trip who has asked me to officiate the wedding. So all these families, all these connections. And when I started out cycle touring, I was, I was very lonely. I was a depressed kid. I was not allowed to go outside and get my play clothes dirty. You know, I just, I didn't have much going for me. I had low self-esteem. And when I discovered that my bicycle was my ticket out of the house, I kept riding farther and farther, you know, first to mm. Knott's Berry Farm, then the beach, and then a farther beach, and then finally Boston. And along the way, you know, I really, I, I developed the core of my self-esteem through the interactions I had with other people like Elizabeth Lehigh. And that is really kind of the core of what I wanted to talk about today is, is the metamorphosis that happens to us when we travel. Uh, as, as you probably have heard, there's weather out there. It can rain. We can get flat tires. Horrible things can happen to us. But by working through it, we learn to live with adversity. And we learn to strengthen ourselves and challenge ourselves and gain the coping tools that we need to get us through life in general. Yeah, resourcefulness, right? Resourcefulness and resiliency. I, I, I so much love talking to you, Ken. There's so much that you share that inspires me and inspires so many listeners. And you're well known in the community because you host so many people and just feeling your passion. It's, it's so touching and it's also expansive to bring in this topic of mental health. And so let's, let's start there. Let's, let's talk about what's on your mind. Okay. Well, if anybody is interested in my journey, I will pull the plug. I, I wrote a book at the end of my trips back in like 1988, 1989, and I never did anything with it. It's just stuck in my computer. And then with COVID, 
hitting, it was like, why don't I, if I'm stuck at home, sit around and, um, you know, work on this. So it's on Amazon. And basically it is a story of kind of who I was when I, when I set out and lack of confidence, lack of self-esteem, as well as the people that I rode with, because they were also dealing with their own issues and mental health. And that sometimes didn't, didn't, didn't blend well. Uh, you you have people that have a little friction and you add some heat, hills, humidity, headwinds, and, um, you know, it could be a recipe for disaster. So how do we manage to 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 deal with that? Not not everybody who starts out finishes. And that was kind of what, what my story was. Uh, I did two long trips and both times the people that, that set out with me didn't, didn't complete the journey because they weren't able to. Uh, you know, either because of eating disorders or having false expectations of the trip. But it really, it, it, it helped me to grow when, when my friends were struggling and basically giving up and just saying, I can't do this. I thought, well, what am I going home to? I'm going home to, you know, oppression. I'm going home to um, not having the opportunities that are still in front of me. Uh, on the first journey, I had two friends with me, and one of them ended up uh, flying home from Idaho, and the other one lived in Chicago. And when we got to Chicago, he just basically said, I'm done. This was crap. I hate you. I hate you taking me on this trip, which the irony was the trip was his idea because he <laughs> thought it was going to be fun. You know, you don't realize that that it, there are fun moments and there are challenging and rewarding moments. But when when you're getting rained on, when you're climbing up a mountain and horse flies are jumping on you and taking chunks out of your skin and you can't do anything and you can't get away. It's not fun, but it makes, makes us who we are. It made me who I was. And when everybody was trying to talk me out of, you know, continuing, don't continue on your own. It's not safe. You know, everyone else gave up. So, you know, they were smart. Why are you not giving up? And I really had to fight that. I had to fight for what I believed in. And what I told everybody was, like watching a movie and leaving halfway through. My movie is not over. Maybe their movie is over. And I know that on some different levels, they each regretted giving up early. Mm. And that was one thing I didn't want to have that regret. In fact, on my third cross-country trip, I, I had a dream one night. I was camping by myself. Uh, my companion that was going to go with me for a month bailed after the first week because he was homesick and just like, I can't do this. It's like, well, you were doing this to prove to yourself that you could be free from your parents now that you're 25 years old and out of college. And he's like, well, I proved to myself I'm not ready yet. That was his response. Mm. I was good for a few days because, you know, I'm, I'm in a beautiful part of the country. I'm going through Northern Idaho. I'm going through Montana. I'm, I'm in Yellowstone. Everything's great. There's all these cyclists around. I had some hosts lined up through uh, uh, people that I knew from work who had family there. So everything was great. But then one night I ended up on this mountaintop and I was supposed to rendezvous with these other cyclists and they weren't there. There was a campsite that was just designated for cyclists going up Togety Pass outside of uh, Grand Tetons. And I get to this campground in the rain. There's no one there. There hadn't been anyone there in a long time because the grass was like all three feet tall. I had to try to find somewhere to, to put my tent and, and get settled. And as I'm lying there at night, it was hot, muggy. There were, there were actually, as soon as it stopped raining, thousands of mosquitoes came out. It was like a really miserable experience. There was this 
tree that was blowing in the wind, this big pine tree that was creaking all night. So I'm lying in my tent thinking, is this going to crack and fall on me? You know, it was like, it's just, is it going to get worse than it is? And I had this dream where I woke up and I was in my living room and I was dry and I was comfortable. I'm lying on the couch and I'm thinking, oh, I'm home. How good this feels. And then I started to after I, you know, touched how wonderful it felt to be home and dry and safe, thinking about what did I do? Why did I give up my trip? Why, you know, when, when am I ever going to have this much time again to go cross country? And what are the experience that, that I left out? You know, it's like, I, I, I started crying in my dream. I started to cry now. You know, it's just, I just felt the loss. Why did I give up on myself? Because in cycling, we have bad days. In life, we have bad days. And we have to learn to have the coping tools to get through them, to get to the next the next sunny day, the next rainbow. And as I'm lying on the couch crying in my dream, I'm thinking, I would do anything to be back on that mountain climb. Mm. And I woke up, kind of like Wizard Boss. I woke up, tears down my face, but it was like I was just so happy to be there. And the next morning, I woke up with this amazing renewed sense of energy and ambition and, you know, continued up to the top of the pass, had a great breakfast in a, in a restaurant, the lodge there, and then just continued on my way and had a wonderful rest of my trip going cross country. But I think I needed that dream. I think my subconscious needed to, needed to feel that safety at home for five seconds and then re remind myself that it was okay. I can go on. Mm -hmm. That was a really important lesson for me. And how closely that relates to all things in life, right? That, that return to safety, that return to safety. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. I mean, I know that this is why this this topic of, of of mental health and cycling and hosting is so impactful to others. Not not just you and I sharing this conversation, but so many people can relate to knowing that when you are on a journey or hosting others on their journey, it has a great impact in your own feelings of safety and your center and feeling connected. Uh, I have a a patient who loves this expression, and the expression is uh, the opposite of addiction is connection. And he is so connected to so many people. He got out of his oppression when he stopped using meth and has two, over two years clean and sober now and, you know, dealing with a lot of... Um, when I met him, he was in a wheelchair, and now he, you know, can 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 walk in his full recovery, and just he's an inspiration to everybody that's that's around him. And I love that. That connection is so important. And 
I was driving up to uh, to do an overnight bike tour before my last uh, tour a couple months ago, and I was listening to a bike bike podcast in the car on the way up, and somebody I don't even know quoted me, and I was like, well, "What? What?" I had to like rewind the, the 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 tape for a second. Like, what was this? And then I started crying. I just couldn't believe that you know that that, that my influence has gone just beyond people that I know, and I. I, I think it's amazing, uh, this whole Warm Showers community. I've received messages from cyclists, uh, this this one solo female that I hosted uh, one year, like two years later, she sends me a message from New Zealand, and she says, you'll never guess who I met in the campground today. Um, uh, this, this woman's name was Erica. She was from Canada, and she said that as she was cycling touring through New, uh, New Zealand, she came upon Mina, who's known as Mina, the German cop, and uh, a woman who I'd hosted a year before I hosted Erica. And I said, no way. You just randomly met in the middle of somewhere across the world. I want to see pictures. So, yeah, she sent me pictures of the two of them. And I think they created a lasting friendship from that. And there's just so many people that, that I am connected through, through Warm Showers, who are connected through each other. Uh, I hosted, uh, and this is kind of an interesting story, I hosted a woman, uh, Susan Stewart, last year. And we had met through social media like four months before she came here. So I was following her journey. She was following me. So when I met her, there was this huge anticipation, and it was more like like family coming over. But before, the, the like the night before she came over, she sent me a message saying, is it okay if I bring someone else with me? She said, there's somebody that I've been leapfrogging with coming down the coast who's a young man and he's got some struggles and he's not sure he really wants to do this. But I think if he can, you know, meet you and hear some of your stories that, that maybe you can give him what he needs to, to, to do the Southern Tier and continue and finish what he wants to do. And it so happened that the night that they arrived was when we were having our annual Amish dinner. Uh, so we host this dinner every year. Uh, I think I've been doing it now for like 20 years where everybody brings an Amish dish. And of course, this is also a tribute to like the Lehigh's, the Sensenig, the, the, the Martins, the, the Pennsylvania Dutch that I met back in 1986. I host this, uh, this dinner and there's no electric lights. It's all oil lamps, usually between 30 and 50 people come over. And it's, it's unusual because almost, almost every year there is a warm cyclist guest on the night of the Amish dinner, which is always the Sunday before Thanksgiving. All my friends always expect there to be, at all the parties, there, there's always an expectation that there's a cyclist there. And uh, that was the night that Susan was here with this young man. And they fit in. They're always the life of the party. And they ended up staying two nights. And we, we hung Christmas lights on the house the next day. They, they helped me do that. And he went on to complete his journey, he made it all the way across to uh, to the Atlantic Ocean. And Susan, I told her, you know, there's there's really two cool hosts on the Southern Tier. There's there's Freda and there's Martin. And when you get to, you know, the Gulf Coast, I want you to stay with them. And they've become really good friends now. So Freda's been kind of resistant to do her own tour. And Susan talked her into it. She said, you get an electric bike and um, I will fly down from Canada next year and we will ride to Florida. And just, just the amazing connections and how everybody is a better person because of these connections. So everybody, they're, they're happier. Uh, 
another story. Uh, I met these three college students that were coming down from Vancouver one year, and we hosted them here in Long Beach. They were graduating, they were friends, and one of them said, because he was a cyclist, let's ride our bikes to the Mexican border. And the other two, not being cyclists, said, okay, sure, let's do it. <laughs> they had no idea what they were doing. And the guy that, that, that planned it, great time, loved what he was doing. Another guy, kind of, sort of, never do it again, but he was okay. And then the third guy was just miserable AF. I mean, he just hated every moment of the tour. And he was traveling with this big, huge pillow on his bicycle. And he told me, he said, you know, if it wasn't for this pillow, I would have given up a long time ago. I needed this to get me to where I needed to be. And I asked him, I said, okay, this trip sucks. It's the worst thing you've ever done in your life. What have you learned about yourself? Now, I'm a therapist, so I, it's hard for me to turn that off sometimes, right? <laughs> right. What have you learned about yourself? And he thought about it for a second. And he realized that even though he would never do this again, this trip made him a better person. This trip taught him how to deal with adversity. This trip taught him what his limits were, what he could do, what he couldn't do, and to challenge those limits. So it was really mind-blowing for him to realize that even though this might be something he may never, ever do again, that it was still something that was very impactful for him and he could mm -hmm. see value. And he was eventually glad that he did it. So, so many important takeaways in these stories you've shared. Number one is like the antidote is the connection. Like I, I, yeah. I could feel that and we know that in lots of stories and ways that people share and their connection and, and also the, that resilience piece, right? Like knowing that sometimes we don't even know that we have put limits on what we think we can do. We don't know that until we actually test it and try it. And I love the way that you're putting it into these buckets of how many people you get to experience this amazing transformation with, Ken. It's amazing. Almost almost to 300. Um, I had another cyclist that I was following who, who, when I met him, it was the same thing. It was like I felt like I knew him. And uh, I have a YouTube channel and I have a friend that I grew up with who has helped in, and done some videos. Her thing is that she's dealing with bipolar disorder. And when we were in elementary school, her mother jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And we were hosting this gentleman one night, and we were going to go over to a Christmas party at her house, and I had mentioned something about, you know, our history. And this young man looked at me and he said, yeah, my mother, my mother killed herself too. And uh, I had just gone through a divorce and was, was very hurt and realized I had a choice. And my choice was either I kill myself or I hop on my bike and I go for a ride. And he chose to hop on his bike and ride across the United States. So to me, that was like such an inspirational story. And he's another one that I'm still in contact with, who I just love watching him and his travels. And he's got kids that he travels with and just a very happy person. And how, how these experiences, how these experiences um, with the connections and, and even being a host, people don't realize this. I hear you know, some negativity going around about, you know, um, you know, cyclists are so ungrateful and, and I, hosting is, is a lot of work. And, you know, why do I have to pay a $30 user fee to host? But there's just so much benefit to hosting. Uh, I was thinking of giving up on my cycle touring career when one of my guests said, Ken, go to Iceland. And I went to Iceland and that was eight years ago. And I've done 
more amazing trips since then. Uh, when you open your doors to these cyclists, you're opening your doors to the world. And if you're not out there to travel, you can travel vicariously through them and invite all these cultures into your house. And it's just a really feel-good thing. Um, I've hosted a lot of people doing fundraisers. I recently hosted somebody who was uh, in the Guest Booker World Record for, for doing the pedal bike because he was a paraplegic. Uh, you just feel good because you're helping people on their journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not everybody is this amazing, wonderful cyclist you want to take into your house. That's why it's important to put in your bio who you are, what you're looking for, what you're all about to make sure that there's communication and there's a click. People don't realize that communication is important too. And to communicate, if, if, if you don't want to cook for people, if you just want people to put your tent in the yard and you're just providing shelter, that's okay. You can feel good about just helping somebody by giving them a plot of land. You don't have to stay up all night talking with these people. Um, one of the, the ways I, I do this, and I can't really show you the whole thing, but this is my photo album. <laughs> and I take a picture of every guest that comes through here. And um, like I know you recently interviewed Carolyn. Carolyn is in here, and you interviewed Stephen Diaz. And yeah. Uh, I take pictures of my house now, and you know that's the sign I was holding up. I travel with this sign, and I get pictures of all my my hosts with that. But you know, just I mean, this book weighs weighs a ton. Uh, but just to kind of show you, just just how I get all these pictures mm-hmm. of all these people in here. And Saturday, I hosted a bar- barbecue for other um, other warm showers guests, and um, we hosted. Uh, we, we do it like every year. We didn't have a lot of people. I think there were like five or six of us. Uh, but, but a couple of the hosts have been like long-term friends. I've known them for several years. And catching up with them was amazing. And we had a new person who lives down the road in Huntington Beach that we can refer people to join us. And there's just such a sense of community and camaraderie that that it really... I, I feel better about myself being a part of Warm Showers. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, to say and, and, and to say to anybody who's listening or watching this is, how are you a better version of yourself today? Because of being a host for Warm Showers and the people that you've met, or how are you a better version of yourself because of the different people you met warm showers or the different experience on your bicycle because i think really in the long run we grow from these experiences we can let them take us out we can be depressed like i've seen some of my friends do that that have just really decided that you know hey this this isn't for me i'm miserable i'm giving up but i know for myself there was a time when i gave up there was a trip that i did with somebody who wasn't a cyclist and he gave up after the first day and I decided to give up the next day. And I realized that I really learned how to give up. And for a year, in all aspects of my life, I took the easy way out and gave up. And my parents had moved to, to Phoenix uh, during that year, and they wanted me to come visit. And I thought at one point when I looked back and realized, wow, I'm not, I'm not being true to myself because I've learned how to give up. I forgot what it's like to challenge myself. Uh, so I need to kickstart that again. I need to ride my bike to Phoenix to visit them. And I did it in January. It was a five-day trip. It was solo. 
but it's what I needed. It did kickstart that with me. It, it, it gave me the ability to realize that, you know, I don't have to give up and that if I set my mind to it, I always get where I'm going. I have a trip planned for next month. I'm going to ride from London to Amsterdam and uh, my touring uh, companion, Philip Robinson, who's up in Seattle, fell and injured himself and is not going to be able to ride. So I don't know if he's going to join me for the London part. I don't know if I'm going to be by myself. I, it's all up in the air. But I know no matter what happens, it's going to be awesome because uh-huh. it always is. It always uh-huh. works out one way or another. And that's what life's about is learning how to make the best of what you have because not all days are sunny. The wind doesn't always blow in your direction. But how do you challenge yourself to to rise above it and what are the rewards and how good do you feel afterwards? Mm. Let's just breathe that in for a minute, Ken. Mm. How can people find you? Uh, they could go to amazon.com and look at author's page and just look at Ken Francis. We'll put the, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. Okay. I'm, um, I'm actually going to work in like a few minutes and teaching the intimacy gram, which, uh, is a tool that I created about relationships and closeness and putting balance in your life. And after teaching it for like 15 years, somebody said, Hey, you know, why don't you put that in a book form? And it took a long time to write this because this is when I was on the board for warm showers and people don't realize how much time, volunteer <laughs> time, volunteer time yes. it takes, you know, yes. two hours a day for like, you know, I wouldn't yes. say the whole five years was two hours a day, but for a big chunk of it. So it took a long time to write this book. Okay. And then the follow-up is the gratitude snorkel, which has to do with living in gratitude. And I, I think the story about, you know, my dream on the mountaintop is, is a part uh-huh. of this book because, you know, it's such a part of living in gratitude. And I think that's where we all need to be. And then the, the YouTube channel is, um, is also named The Intimacy Gram. And it's basically videos on, on having good mental health and a lot of good coping tools and, um, you know, stuff that a lot of people would think might be common sense, but it's not so much common sense, but learning how to live like that. Mm. Well, Ken, I am super grateful for you, not only as the role you've played in this organization and getting it to where it is, your time on the board, your your camaraderie with me, your support for the organization, and your participation in this community. You are, you are a piece of the fabric that makes it so wonderful. And also coming here and being willing to talk about topics that are so important. I I just, I really appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Taverly. I appreciate you and, and all the amazing work you've done for the organization and, you know, for sticking around. I know not everybody uh-huh. stays as long as you do. And I'm really grateful for everything you've done and that you've stayed and had the consistency to build the community that you have. So thank uh-huh. you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, friends, you can see why we love having Ken on the show. It's like, it's like, it's it's not even enough time. We could keep talking. And I'm going to invite you back again, Ken, just so you know, I have a couple of topics that have okay. come to mind that I, I think that we should expand upon. And I know that when we, when we interview you, and you come on the show, we get such an outpouring of support. So for those of you that are loving Ken being here, I promise I will bring him back again soon. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel if you're watching this on YouTube or give us uh, a rating and review or a like wherever platform you're listening. And thank you, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tavali, and everybody for listening. Yes. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. 
Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.